Welcome to our morning after version of the Saturday simulcast, uh, joined by Brian Newbert and Tom Deanhart after Purdue's 28 to 26 homecoming victory over Florida Atlantic. We will break that game down and look ahead. We want to thank our sponsors, uh, sponsor, I should say, the Union, Purdue Union Club Hotel, Boiler Up Bar, uh, 811 Bistro, and all the things that you can enjoy. It was a great day for homecoming. I will say that after a full day of uh, uh, a lot of people walking around campus yesterday, you couldn't have found a better day for that. And a lot of folks who were at the, at the Union yesterday for a while, and uh, a lot of folks were running in and out and enjoying a day. Uh, first night homecoming game in Purdue history. Also, make sure that you uh, like us on uh, or subscribe to us on YouTube as well and leave us a comment too if you have any on, on uh, our uh, YouTube broadcast, etc. So I'm going to start with you, Tom. Um, hard to be real inspired after last night, but the good thing is for Purdue, they did win, and that was in doubt till uh, the last closing moments of the game until uh, Sanusi Kane snuck out with the football and ran ran uh, a fumble down. Uh, now, after, with the lens of ten or so hours after it's over, but what uh, what comes to mind? Yeah, you know, I think you sort of uh, referenced it for me, Alan. They found a way to finish. Yeah, And uh, you hate to always bring up recent history, but just flash back to September 1st, the Penn State game, Purdue had a, what, a 31 to 28 lead. They had the ball, not once, but twice. It couldn't, uh, A, milk the clock, or B, add to their lead. And we all know how that game ended. Penn State ultimately went down and scored a winning touchdown with 57 seconds to go. But last night, uh, similar scenario, right? Purdue had to punt the ball back. FAU uh, uh, and uh, just a two-point lead. And uh, this time the defense bowed its back, if you will. And and you talked about it, Alan. Jacob Wahlberg forced the fumble by FAU quarterback Nicozy Perry. Sanusi Kane scooped it up. Game over. Exhale. Wipe <laughs> your brow. Yeah. Turn the page. And just be happy you got a win, right? We all can agree this was no uh, thing of beauty. But uh, given the circumstances, starting the quarterback uh, who hadn't started a game since 2019, again, Purdue's happy to get out with a win. Guys, the coaches always say you'd rather be able to correct things coming off a win than a loss, and that's what Purdue's able to do. But again, boy, things get very interesting and very challenging moving forward, beginning next week at Minnesota, guys. Kicks off a month with three of the four games are on the road. Yeah, Brian, I I think from your perspective, too, it's hard to be real inspired, but you're right. It's it, Tom's right about you. It's better to win than lose, but uh, it doesn't seem to be, and maybe I'm doing the week to week thing a little bit too much. It didn't seem to be trending well. This Purdue's just not doing a lot of things. They still, they did limit their penalties yesterday, but they still had a bad uh, uh, unsportsmanlike conduct penalty or personal foul. Uh, from your perspective, uh, I know it's not all gloom and doom because, again, they won, and there is opportunity in front, but Minnesota looked really good yesterday, and Purdue's going to have to find a way to to be competitive, not only in that game, but really trying to run the gauntlet of October. Yeah, you know, there wasn't a whole lot from that game yesterday that uh, gave you a lot of uh, What's the word I'd be looking for here? Um, <laughs> confidence <laughs> heading into Minnesota, uh, who's obviously on a roll. Uh, I think that 
you know, the personal foul thing, I thought that was kind of a bang bang play. I mean, I, yeah. I don't think all personal fouls are designed are created equal. I thought the one last week was egregious. Um, this one I thought was just kind of one of those things that happened. Still shouldn't happen, but yeah, uh, it did. Uh, so I don't know if I look at that as kind of that lack of discipline problem that we were talking about after the uh, mm-hmm. after the last game. But the biggest thing for yeah. me was that uh, well, a I think as soon as Aiden O'Connell was ruled out, this became one of those games where you just kind of had to grind it out. You just had to kind of get the win and get out of here. Um, but now that you've it's played out, I think that you know the offense is one thing, but the defense is another. And I think going in the big 10 play again, now you look at that side of the ball and you see some real question marks here. I think there were times yesterday where Purdue looked really vulnerable against the run. Yeah. And that is extremely uh, ominous given that now you're going to start playing opponents where you have to play the game in the box. And all of a sudden the physical part of it becomes much more to the forefront. On top of that, there are, are real there are real issues in that secondary as well uh it seems like every game somebody gets behind Corey trice deep uh it seems like purdue gives up a lot of uh a lot of big plays it's been much much discussed here that purdue's playing a lot of one high safety a lot of man and uh i think there's some real vulnerabilities there and if purdue can't take away the run from minnesota which is going to be <laughs> hard to do. challenge this season all of a sudden you're going to be on uh you're going to be on the end of a string again um with the RPO stuff they like to do. And uh, there's just going to be a lot of really difficult matchups that come with this Minnesota game and not a lot of reason coming out of that game yesterday uh, to think Purdue is, is, you know, up to it quite yet. Um, As I said before, the Aiden O'Connell thing obviously is the most important context in this game, but I don't think Purdue's issues yesterday against Florida Atlantic were necessarily all tied to, Aiden O'Connell, I, I think a lot of the a lot of the concern coming out of this game has to lie with that defense. Yeah, Austin Burton uh, certainly Tom had a serviceable game, did what he was supposed to with Sands the one turnover. I know that happens, but uh, thought he did did do what he was supposed to do. Uh, Purdue ran the ball better. Uh, let's look at some of the places things that uh, I don't know that it was a function of uh, what they were facing defensively. But Dylan Downing had a good game. Devin Mockaby did a couple good things in the passing game. Had a couple good runs as well. Uh, do you take any of that forward, uh, knowing full well that we we were going to do the song and dance this week as well with Aiden O'Connell? It appears. Uh, but that Purdue offense has got to got to generate enough. I agree with Brian. The defense is maybe the biggest problem, but the offense has got to get the get the job done up at uh, Minneapolis. Yeah, first guys, this was Jeff Brom's post game quote when I asked him about Aiden O'Connell moving forward. He said, "Quote: It could be next week, could be a couple of weeks. So we'll just play it by ear." <laughs> so there you go. Uh, I did ask Jeff Brom too when he got hurt. He said it was the first quarter. Yeah, year's game. So, uh, nonetheless, uh, uh, yeah, you know Austin Burton, like you said, I, I guess he was serviceable. Guys, just the one turnover, the pick, uh, the three touchdown passes, did it. I think it was seventy-two percent of his passes. And uh, you know what? You know what was really missing, guys, was downfield passing. Uh, according to the stat cast, he was one of three passing, uh, 15 yards or longer, I think it was, and, uh, didn't take a lot of shots downfield and, uh, 
overall, guys, just just two two big plays in the passing game, and one of them came from your running back, Devin Mockaby, had a twenty one yard twenty eight yard catch, which was the longest of the game for Purdue. So, Purdue really missed that big play explosive element in the passing game. You know, Charlie Jones guys did make his catches; he had nine, but they only went for fifty nine yards. We didn't see any of those big gainers for Charlie. Uh, so that was the one thing I noticed with having Austin Burton under center. Again, he did at least avoid, I guess, a catastrophic mistake, uh, which is always a positive. So, uh, yeah, we'll just have to wait and see on, uh, on, on O'Connell's status. And, Alan, to your point about the ground game, Dylan Downing, yeah, my goodness. Longest run of the season, a 30-yarder. He had two or three other yard rushes for over 10. First 100-yard effort for a boiler since Horvath in 2020. Devin Mockaby, guys, I mean – what more can we say? Let, let's let's go ahead and commission a statue, okay? <laughs> like every week he's uh, he's turning heads. This week, guys, it was as a pass catcher. Yeah, no. Jeff Brom said in the post game that is not one of his strengths, but Devin certainly looked like a good pass catcher to all of us who watched Saturday night. So that was another nice development too, guys. So yeah, there were some fits and starts offensively, some long dry spells, but as you guys both alluded to. Uh, I think maybe uh, more of the concern lies on the other side of the ball. And remember, they've been missing Jalen Graham. I'm not sure. I'm, I'm sure. I think he would have made a big difference at Syracuse. Sure, he would have helped last night. I'm not sure if he's going to be there when they get to the Twin Cities next week. We'll have to wait and see. So, Purdue's going to have to get by with what they have. And also, guys, they were missing Reese Taylor yesterday, which hurt their their depth at cornerback as well. Yeah. Um, inability, Brian, to – Get very different type of offense in Florida Atlantic, very mobile at quarterback and guy that can move around uh, and cause Purdue some problems, but uh, not a lot of pressure. I don't, did they have a sack? Did Purdue have a sack no. yesterday? No. Uh, uh, all ties together, I guess, is that you're just going to have to play. You got uh, Tanner Morgan had, had a had a Purdue S game yesterday yeah. against Michigan State. What was he? Twenty one for twenty three, yeah. which is one better than he was, one worse than he was against Purdue back in twenty nineteen or whenever that game was. Yeah. Uh, again, all kinds of challenges, and, and, and it's college football, and it's it's the best of times, it's the worst of times, and, and maybe. Uh, Purdue has responded somewhat well in some of these situations uh, uh, in the past under Jeff Brom, but uh, I still it's, it's stating the obvious. It seems to me, Brian, you got to have Aiden O'Connell back, and you got to, and you probably have to have Jalen Graham back sooner than later if you're going to do the kind of things that you want to do in, with this team. Is that a fair assessment? Well, I don't think Purdue's issues lied as much on offense last yeah. night as they did on defense. Um, so, and I, I don't know how, how big of a difference Jalen Graham would have made last night, probably significant. I mean, he's their best defensive player, yeah. um, but that's where, you know, the Minnesota matchup is a little bit foreboding here is that, uh, <laughs> if you can't stop the run between the tackles, big 10 style mm-hmm. and, you know, Jeff Brom has made some comments this season, kind of looking ahead to when the game changes, when you start playing the Minnesotas and Wisconsin's and Iowa's and whatnot, where it comes down to, you know, being in the box and all of a sudden you have to play, you have to play bigger personnel and, uh, you know, things like that. That's where things can get a little bit dicey here for Purdue. Maybe that's not what he suggested, but that's kind of what I'm suggesting right now. If if you can't control that running game right away, Tanner Morgan's got you on a string. And we saw a couple of years ago what he was able to do with all the, all those RPO passes. It's going to be really hard to get to the quarterback if you have to respect that really – 
distinct threat that their running game could pose. Um, I think Purdue did some good things offensively with Austin Burton. I think it's a very different offense than it would have been with Aiden O'Connell, but I, I don't yeah. think I think it was a good kind of different. I think it was a more balanced offense. It, it could be a little bit more, you know, kind of ball control uh, to a certain extent. A lot of quick throws, a lot of easy completions. I think the I think hitting FAU with that early option. Uh, I think probably stretched out their front a little bit and allowed some of the holes that they exposed, you know, uh, later in the game. Um, I think a, a lot of their running success, some of their running success yesterday was a little bit schematic. Part of it was just the reality of a Big Ten opponent playing against a, you know, low to mid-major opponent. But um, Purdue just has to be has to be really physical and really disciplined. Uh, you know, against Minnesota and from here on out in uh, with the rest of this Big Ten schedule uh, in order for this to not, you know, go a different direction than they want it to go in, I think. Yeah. Environment last night, Tom, a night game, obviously, for homecoming the first time. Uh, Jerry Palm and the uh, and the uh, alumni band out there yesterday. It was it, that part is it's I thought I was really impressed with the you know, the student crowd is shoulder to shoulder again on a, uh, now they weren't all there after halftime. I get it, but uh, uh, it was a perfect night for football, but you have another 55,000 people in, in Florida Atlantic doesn't bring anybody. So they didn't really benefit from there. There were some empty seats probably because of that, but uh, it's still the environment. The interest is good there. You, you got to find some things to inspire you down the road and hope that you can make a, make some kind of run. And I suppose Purdue would have it would be an Iowa type win, I would think almost. I know Minnesota's not going to be ranked second going into this weekend, but they probably will be ranked this week, I would think. Uh, and that will be a be a be a big upset if Purdue can get the job done. But you have to admit the have to like the the, the fan base, even after a kind of a uh, challenging start to say the least of this season uh, showed up big time last night for homecoming. The Nebraska game's already sold out. To, uh, those kind of things are still happening. Yeah, I thought it was a nice crowd, Alan. You're right. The weather was was picture perfect. It would have really been good to kick off at noon, right? Boy, the yeah. sun was brilliant. But it was a nice night for football in late September, early fall. And um, three of the four games this month were at home. Again, next month, three out of four on the road, guys. Push two and two. Again, uh, at Minnesota, at Maryland, Nebraska, at home. And then at Wisconsin, then Purdue's off the last week of Wisconsin of the of the month of October. I mean, Purdue could be three and five when we get to November. Um, maybe four and four. I mean, it's going to be a rough month. We we know the challenges that loom at Minnesota, guys. Purdue is yet to win a game at what is uh, now Hunton Bank Stadium in Minneapolis. I think that opened up in two thousand nine. They've never won in that that quote new Minnesota venue. P.J. Fleck has won the last four against Jeff Brom. Uh, he's been a tormentor to Jeff Brom. We all know what happened in 2019 at ross Age Stadium. Uh, on and on it goes. I don't want to uh, relive the, the Minnesota-Purdue issues uh, for the Boilermakers, but big challenges there, guys. Maryland's playing good football. They had their first loss of the year, but they certainly acquitted themselves very well at, at, at Michigan. Then Nebraska at home, like you talked about, Alan, the only home game in October. They're already circling the drain. And then you go to Wisconsin. I know the Badgers look like they have their issues. But we know Purdue's history with Wisconsin, too. So guess what I'm trying to say in a very uh, uh, high word volume way is 
October is going to be tough and it's going to be defining. I think it's going to be the month that makes or breaks Purdue season. Uh, let's hope they get healthy uh, because you'd like to turn the corner of that month, at least four and four guys. That means you need to split the month of November just to get to six wins. And that's the friendly month if you're a Purdue fan, right? You got Iowa at home at Illinois, Northwestern at home and at Indiana. So again, I uh, don't want to get too far ahead of ourselves, but October my goodness, um, this is going to be the month that I think really tells us all we need to know about Purdue and the direction of this 2022 season. Yeah, last word, Brian, on, uh, uh, of course, uh, looking around the landscape of the Big Ten, Iowa did beat the State University of New Jersey, a.k.a. Rutgers, uh, uh, pretty handily. I, I didn't see, get a chance to see much of that game. Um, Ohio State whips up over Wisconsin. I mean, there's only what, what's how many Big Ten are in the West Division that have wins now? It's Northwestern and Minnesota, right? And that's uh, that have conference wins, I should say. So Purdue's not that far behind, but it's probably safe to say that you you don't want to start talking about Big Ten West championships uh, just yet. Uh, Purdue's got to find a way to compete next week. Yeah, no, Purdue's you can't talk about Big Ten West championships. Uh, <laughs> until Purdue shows it can be much, much better than it's been. Yeah, um, no doubt. I'm with you. Much better. Uh, you know, it, it, it's, uh, you know, Purdue's got to get through some things here. they got to get, while I thought Purdue did some good things yesterday with Austin Burton, I think your upside is considerably lower uh, without Aiden O'Connell. I think O'Connell gives you that opportunity to, you know, put up 35, 40 points uh, against a lot of people, even though Purdue hasn't done that. You know, Purdue's got to find some ways to get some more points on the board too, you know. Some of the big play stuff that they used to be able to create uh, via, you know, trick plays, whatever you want to call it, that stuff hasn't really been there this year. And I, I think you've played a bunch of games here this year where if you could have just, you could just get one more touchdown in the first half, or you could just steal one more touchdown somewhere along the line. You're talking about entirely different games. And back in 2017, 2018, you know, they used to be able to do that every week. And I think every, a lot of what they've done, you know, from a creative perspective, this season has has not worked. Uh, you know, part of that is not being able to run the ball the way you'd prefer to be able to run the ball. Last night being one exception. I think trick plays and creative stuff work better when defenses are on their heels because your base stuff is working so well. Um, and that's probably one area we're not having maybe that bread and butter stuff. Clicking all the time, you know, probably holds them back a little bit. But Purdue's an offensive program. And they're, that's kind of their thing. And no matter who's at quarterback, they got to find some ways to just get a little bit of cushion on the scoreboard at some point. Uh, you're playing all these super close games here and you're allowing one mistake to you know be outsized. Uh, you're, you're allowing that, that one mistake your quarterback has made the last two second halves to matter way more than it would have had you been able to get, you know, more than two touchdowns on the board in the first half of, uh, of the games, things like that. Purdue's got some real flaws here. And I, I think, um, I think part of the solution is just kind of scoring your way out of it any way you can. Uh, it's not going to be easy against Minnesota. It's not going to be easy against anyone the rest of the way. I, that's what uh, I agree. But I think that that's kind of, kind of what's got to happen here. You also, I think at some point we should mention too, you know, two weeks in a row now, Mitchell Finneran's missed the second half kick. That would have been very important last year. Confidence became kind of a real concern around him, uh, as I remember it correctly. Yeah. And you know, that's kind of one of your one of your known commodities. That was one of the things Purdue came into the season 
viewing as here's a luxury and advantage we have every single week. And now if there are some issues there, um, that's one more layer of kind of concern here for Purdue moving forward. You'd like to score touchdowns and not field goals, but you need to get those field goals uh, when you have to kick those. Yeah, and he, he was not close last night. That's been that's kind of on the far end of his range that he's shown so far at Purdue. But yeah, he's yeah, got and that wasn't a Purdue's... gimme by any means. I, th- I think no, that's no, no, forty-seven yards. There. He's never hit. Um, what, what's his longest kick anyway? Forty-two. It's forty-nine against Oregon State. It's very oh, he did first game. Oh, he did he hit a forty-nine yarder. He started out real hot last year, hit his first eight or nine kicks, and hit that midseason funk, went about one of five, one of six. Yeah. And he hit like 14 of his last 15 to finish yeah. the year. So I forgot the 49 yard. I, I know the defense had its struggles. Uh, but again, they they didn't they made two other key plays at least when they had when they had to. Cam Allen's interception of the two-point conversion it was 28-26. Huge, right? Uh keep preserves Purdue's lead. And and then before that, uh, with Purdue winning 21 to 20, FAU was on the march, and that's when Chris Jefferson picked off a pass deep in Purdue territory. Uh, Purdue subsequently scored to take, I think it was a 28-20 lead. So, yeah, again, there were there were uh, plenty to work on for Purdue. I'm sure they're, they're breaking down the film as, as we speak. But at key points, at least they did make some some key stops and bowed their back and and uh, and kept uh, kept kept the team in in the, in the ball game. So. Yeah, you could use more of that moving forward. Like you said, there's there's plenty for this squad to continue to hone uh, on both sides of the ball, even special teams. Yeah, the the two point conversion was a horrible throw. As as my my high school football coach would have said, he threw the ball straight to Pete Moss. <laughs> he threw it right to the grass, and you know, kudos to Cam Allen for making the interception. But had he not, it would have just gone right into the grass. Jacob Wahlberg made a great play on yeah. on Chris Jefferson's other interception. Uh, he had a big, big day too. So let the team he had a great day, yeah. Um, and they're going to need those big physical linebackers against Minnesota because this is their time now. The Kieran Douglases of the world, the Samisi Fakasikis, the Wahlbergs. This is their time now, um, yeah. and we'll see what Purdue has there. But you know, some of the mistakes that Florida Atlantic made. Do they want to be called Florida Atlantic, or are they trying to move away from that? Are they doing the FAU? I don't know. You see FAU everywhere on their okay, bus. FAU, and Florida Atlantic, whatever you yeah. want to call them. <laughs> um, some of the mistakes they made offensively yesterday, I think that you don't necessarily expect Tanner Morgan to make this week. Yeah. Um, now, I, I don't say that to take away from what Purdue's defense did yesterday uh, in terms of the, the key turnovers they got, uh, the key stops they got when they got them. But uh, I think the degree of difficulty uh, is going to yeah. increase considerably from here on out. That is a true statement. All right. On that note, we thank you all for uh, watching, listening, uh, however you process our fine information. Thank Tom Deanhart and Brian Newbert as well. Uh, it will be Purdue at Minnesota noon kick. Uh, and uh, we'll find out. I think the Maryland start time hasn't been determined yet. And, of course, the Nebraska, when they come back to West Lafayette, we'll know that in about a, about 10 days as well. So uh, that will be a that will be a storyline. But noon at 11 o'clock, maybe maybe the Gophers will be asleep after coming at that early start, start up in up in Minneapolis. All right, guys, thanks so much. I want to thank the Union Club Hotel. 811 Bistro, Boiler Up Bar, and we appreciate them. We'll see you next week on our Saturday simulcast. One more thing about the Minnesota game. At least it's not going to be four degrees.
Yeah. No, it's going to be warm. 75 yeah. degrees we're talking about. Really? Yeah. Yeah, that's what wow. at least the early forecast. You know, that's the thing about this. We can't we can't put an end to this uh, Zoomcast. We just keep bringing stuff in and good information. As I understand, it's going to be set over seventy degrees. Thank God for flip flops. Yeah, Brian, appreciate the info. All right, thanks again. All right, guys. With the Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. You need parts? O'Reilly Auto Parts has parts. Need them fast? We've got fast. No matter what you need, we have thousands of professional parts people doing their part to make sure you have it. Product availability. Just one part that makes O'Reilly stand apart. The professional parts people. Oh, 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 O'Reilly.